corporate entities, okay? One was Alameda Research, which was supposed to function like a hedge fund, okay? And the other was FTX, which was supposed to function as a cryptocurrency exchange. All right, all well and good. Now, a crypto exchange is a place where users can buy or sell digital currencies. What's become more common in recent years is that crypto exchanges may also create their own cryptocurrency, which can also be traded back and forth on their exchange or other exchanges if they have that um, business relationship. Crypto enthusiasts may have many different theories or opinions around this concept, okay? But I would say creating your own cryptocurrency is not very much different from creating money out of thin air. And I know this might be a controversial take, but I mean, just based on what we are seeing so far in the industry, it just appears to be creating money out of thin air. So FTX printed lots and lots of its own cryptocurrency, which it called FTT. Now, it turns out that a good chunk of this FTT was funneled to Alameda Research, which in of itself raises many governance and ethics questions because FTX is supposed to be a completely separate business entity, okay? Completely separate from Alameda Research. But anyway, FTT, that's the digital currency that FTX created, at a time traded for as high as $80 per token. And FTX used this as collateral to take out loans for Alameda Research. Now, for those of you who trade stocks or just financial derivatives in general, you'll understand the intrinsic danger in using such a derivative as a loan collateral. The problem is, if the value of the derivative, in this case, the FTT digital token, okay, if the value falls below the point it was at when it was used to obtain the loan, that means that Alameda Research would automatically be unable to repay the loan. They would automatically be underwater and they would need to source for funds to make up the shortfall, okay? So earlier this month, when Coindesk published a report which exposed the fact that a huge part of Alameda's $14.6 billion balance sheet was held in FTT and not actual money, warning bells rang through the length and breadth of the crypto world, and quite understandably so. So things moved very quickly from that point on. Binance, another cryptocurrency exchange, which is a competitor of FTX, actually, but who also held quite a bit of FTTs on their balance sheet at that time, proceeded to dump their entire holding, all 23 million of it. And that spooked the crypto market and sent the price of FTT straight down a cliff. And so this began to give early signs of potential trouble surrounding FTX. You know, it began to appear or it began to signal that FTX may be swimming in troubled waters. And as these signs began to emerge, the same Binance 
turned around and offered to buy FTX. But there was a caveat. They offered to buy FTX subject to the positive outcome of a due diligence exercise to be conducted on FTX. Fair enough. I mean, you don't put money down to buy something if you don't do your research. It's, it's really that simple. If you want to buy a house, for instance, you would pay for, uh, you would arrange for the house to be inspected first before you commit to the sale. You know, so it's pretty similar with companies too. So yeah, that was the caveat that Binance put in the intention, in the letter of intent they signed with FTX, signaling their willingness to buy the exchange, but subject to the outcome of the due diligence. Now, this is where things began to go really, really bad. Very soon after the news broke that Binance was interested in buying FTX, Binance pulled out. They pulled out. They said, okay, that's it. We're not doing it again. Sorry. <laughs> we are not interested in this. There's just too many, too many issues here. We can't, we can't proceed with this deal. Now, from the reports that have continued to emerge since then, I think one might be tempted to assume that Binance saw some very troubling records of FTX's finances, and that was what made them opt out of the deal. Okay? So, so far, report after report coming out on this scandal paint a pretty, pretty ugly picture of how finances were managed or mismanaged at FTX. According to a report on Reuters, SBF created a secret backdoor in FTX's bookkeeping system. This backdoor allowed him to move depositors' funds, that's depositors' money, okay, depositors' cash, off the exchange to Alameda Research, the sister company that was supposed to be a separate corporate entity. Now, this backdoor not only allowed him to move the money off the exchange, it allowed him to move it without alerting the customers, the actual owners of the funds, okay? or even most of his own employees. That's a huge red flag. And another report indicates that SBF gave himself a $1 billion personal loan out of Alameda's coffers. Listen, <laughs> these stories are wild, like super, super wild. The scale and the sheer lack of corporate governance or propriety is simply mind-boggling. It's hard, it's really hard to wrap one's head around it, really and truly. In the bankruptcy filing of FTX, it was revealed that Alameda Research, in addition to the $1 billion personal loan to the founder, SBF, also lent another two point $3 billion. And by the way, these are US dollars we're talking about here, okay? <laughs> so Alameda Research also lent another $2.3 billion to a company called Paperbird Inc., which SBF happens, just happens to own a majority stake in. 
I'm sure you can see where this is going. <laughs> Other employees at FTX also received loans from Alameda, including $543 million to the head of engineering, $55 million to the head of FTX digital markets. As to the basis of those loans or the recoverability of those loans, your guess is as good as mine, honestly. And what I find most amazing about the information in their bankruptcy filings is how a company that was dealing with such huge amounts of money could operate without having an accounting department. Like none, they did not have an accounting department, they did not have an accountant. Now, how is that even legal? Like what in the world? Not a single professional accountant in charge of the finances? And oh, <laughs> by the way, they did have an audit firm audit their books at some point. A firm whose offices are in the metaverse. Yeah, you heard me. You can't make these things up. <laughs> so yeah, that's FTX in a nutshell. It is a developing story. Who knows what new angle or what new story about FTX will break tomorrow morning or the day after or the week after. It's still a developing story, but what has broken so far, what has come out so far, beats the imagination, to be honest. And so all of these to say that folks be extremely careful out there. Honestly, be very, very careful out there. You've worked too hard for your money for you to see it thrown down any kind of drain. Do not throw it down the drain yourself. Do not hand it over to anyone who's gonna throw it down the drain. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is very bad. And above all, Remember the number one rule of investing. We have said it time and time again on this show. Go back to our previous episodes and brush up on the things that we've discussed concerning investment. Never invest more than you can afford to lose, be it in crypto or in any other asset class for that matter. Please be careful, folks. These are very interesting times. And contrary to what I know a lot of people say out there, cash is not always trash, okay? Sometimes cash may be the safest position to hold. You do not always have to be invested in something, especially if you do not understand that thing. Always do your own due diligence and make sure you are very knowledgeable about whatever it is you are putting your money in and make sure that you have your risk mitigation strategies well in place. Caution is the name of the game, ladies and gentlemen. Please be very cautious. Moving on to the next segment of the show, which is our show and tell segment. Our show and tell for today is the Korean-American billionaire, Tai Lee. She's our show and tell for today because of the incredible adversity that she and also her family overcame to get to where she is today. 
Looking at her journey and her path to where she is now is nothing short of inspiring. And another reminder that no matter who you are or where you are, you can achieve your dreams. Tai Lee is the first Korean to graduate from Harvard, and she is the founder and CEO of She Limited, an IT company that focuses on designing cloud, data center, and end-user computing strategies. The company earned a record $12.3 billion US dollars in revenue last year alone. Forbes reports her net worth to be about $4.1 billion, making her even richer than the likes of Oprah and Rihanna. What's also remarkable about Tai Lee's wealth is that all of it is self-made, not from any type of inheritance or divorce settlements or anything like that, just sheer hard work and grit. But before she came to be what she is today, she and her family had to navigate some very trying times. Her father was born in Korea during the Japanese imperial domination. Now, for those of you who do not know about this history, at some point in the past, Korea had been annexed by Japan after many, many years of war. The annexation came with a literal occupation of Korea. Japan practically seized Korean land and allocated it to Japanese people. Almost 100,000 Japanese families were said to have moved into the land at that time, and it was not a slavery period for the Koreans at all. So Tai Lee's family's first challenge was escaping the repressive situation that they found themselves in in Korea with the Japanese imperial occupation of their land. And her father did this by winning a scholarship to go study in Hiroshima. However, that relief was short-lived as the bombing of Hiroshima later happened and her dad was lucky to escape with his life. If you have ever been involved in a war or seen the effects, you'll understand the very desperate conditions that her family must have faced. Anyway, to cut a long story short, they eventually found their way to the US. And once they got there, her father pushed her to prioritize education as her pathway out of poverty. She studied economics and biology at the Massachusetts Amherst College. And according to her, the reason she chose those majors was because she wanted to avoid English speaking and writing classes as much as possible. She wanted to avoid the classes because she wasn't very fluent in the language at that time. And I think very many immigrants can relate to this, especially if you immigrate from a non-English speaking country, it can be very tough trying to integrate. But she surmounted all of these, graduated, went on to work with Procter & Gamble for a while, before venturing into running her own business, into entrepreneurship and running she, her own IT company, which she started to run in 1989 and which has now become a multi-billion dollar venture. Tai Lee, ladies and gentlemen, is our show and tell for today. Look her up on the internet, read her story, 
and be inspired. On that note, we have come to the end of today's edition of TIB, the Immigrant Bag Podcast. Until next week, when we bring another exciting episode your way again, this is Modupe saying keep your friends close, keep your money closer, and keep your family closest.